Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. And welcome to the first Wednesday of October. What a blessing it is to be serving the Lord together. And it is a privilege to be able to welcome our church family, who are part of the Father's Church here in Dallas, and our Saints Network um, family located in so many places around this nation and the world. We welcome everyone before the Lord on this day when we're studying together. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor here in uh, Dallas at the Father's Church. And I want to make a, uh, a very uh, important announcement about today, Wednesday, October 4th. Uh, we are going to be coming to pray tonight at 6 o'clock in our sanctuary. It's vitally important for us to recognize the strategic placement of this month of October. And we do want to begin it, uh, this fast of feasting month, <clears throat> this month of um, beginnings in so many ways, laying ourselves before the Lord, believing in Him, um, standing against any assignment the enemy would try to lodge against any of us in the work of the Lord or just uh, individually. And um, I know that we'll be having first Saturday prayer this coming Saturday, the 7th of October, but tonight, Wednesday, October 4th, we're going to gather to pray here in the sanctuary at 6. So, hopefully, <clears throat> those who are here in Dallas will get this message uh, before, <laughs> before 6 p.m. tonight. I know it's a challenge because it's the work day, but this was announced. Uh, Monica Terrell sent out a Marco Polo announcement for you, so we'll look forward to seeing you tonight. But wherever you are, Let's make this uh, a time where we focus on our God and our mission in prayer. I want to invite you to join me in turning to Luke chapter 10. On this past Sunday morning, we talked a bit about beginnings and how our Lord um, will watch over those things that are our responsibilities, the things that are important uh, for us as stewards and as people who are responsible. He will watch over those things, but particularly when we are obeying his directive to go forth to make disciples in the nations that God is opening. And with that, we also talked a bit about what the word means when you read horas, which is a season or a particular hour or a, a, a time frame. Now, <clears throat> we're going to get into the word here for the verse that the Lord gave for us to look at. But we know that chronos is the overall purpose of God. It's the time frame that he has. Kairos, our individual 
segments on that time frame. <clears throat> but the seasons themselves, however long they may be, are indicated by that Greek term horos. And um, we're in a unique season in the Lord. People understand seasons. They understand the seasons of winter, spring, summer, and fall. They understand um, seasons in sports. They understand seasons when it comes to um, farming. Uh, we understand the concept of seasons. And, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And we're in a unique season. Uh, the duration of, of God's seasons are, are indicated by Him alone. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful for the season of blessing that we're enjoying now in, in breakthrough. We also indicated that there was a linguistic link between that term in the, in the Greek language and uh, words that indicate boundaries, that indicate horizons, that indicate mountains. Um, all of these words are borrowed from the Hebrew word for skin, which indicates our natural boundary as people. Um, and all of these factors weigh in to some of the unique things that we read in the Word. But if, if we're not looking at if we're not looking at the broader picture of what God is saying, we'll just skim over verses and we won't recognize what God is really saying to us. Oh yes, we can use the scripture. The scripture's alive, it's powerful, it'll never fade away. We're grateful for that. So you can, you can have the scripture say things that are temporal promises to you. You can even miss the, in, the context and the entire premise of a verse of Scripture and still lay claim to promises within it. The church functions in that. You know, recently, um, one of my granddaughters was singing in a very notable church here in Dallas, and I obtained a, a couple of their pamphlets, not being critical of them, I'm not. But I, you know, I just want to see what the general church, um, one of the one of the denominations in the general church, um, would be saying. And this this was a book on prayer, booklet on prayer. And in skimming through it, they would ask a question, and then they would pluck a bunch of verses that had nothing to do with the signature verse. And they would tell a little story and always come back to the same thought that um, we just need to trust the Lord. That's great. Yes, we should trust the Lord. Yes, we should know scriptures. But the obviously, the signature passage they were investigating 
was not addressed at all. And this happened over and over and over and over and over again. Yes, they were reading the scripture. That's commendable in our day. But this is the way most Christians operate. They live in the now. They live thinking that God's, God exists to serve them and that their main objective in prayer is to get whatever their prayers might be answered. And there's very little focus on you serving God according to his eternal mystery, you functioning as sons, you going uh, under under the uh, the surface to dig into the deeper things of the scripture, the meat of the word. And, and I pray that we will never abandon that pursuit to go into the deeper things of the word. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, where Jesus has sent out the 70. And he'd sent them out two by two to speak the kingdom and to teach things that he had been teaching them. Very interesting. Now, we do recognize that 70 in the Old Testament is, a, is formed uh, as, a, um, as a notable group. They... Um, they Moses had 70, Jesus had 70. 70 was designated in accounting circles by the the Hebrew letter ayin, a y i n. That word not only the name of the letter but that word meant the eyes or the wells. And we've studied about that. We talked about that at our last seminar. We talked about it on a number of occasions from many different studies through the Word. So when Jesus sent out the 70, it wasn't a good ride num round number of 35 teams. It, it indicated people that he believed would go as those who were deeper in the things of the kingdom, operating in truths that he had taught that were beyond what the Jewish or the Hellenistic mindsets were, to bring meat to cities where he had gone and where he would be going, and to perhaps establish the tobe, the eyes of God, to established the beginnings of the wells of salvation. All of those things were, were a part of why he sent the 70 out. So, the 70, Luke 10, verse 17, third time now we're saying it, so I hope you found it. The 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. 
And he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Horas, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father. No man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned unto him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes, here's eyes, which see the things you see. I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. What a wonderful collection of words. What specifically did Jesus mean or the Luke, as he wrote under the anointing of the Spirit, in that hour, verse 21, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. What does that mean? Well, let's first, this is a Bible study now, so utilize the tools that are with you. This idea of rejoicing was mentioned twice before in the passage that um, that we just read. And there, rejoicing was, a, was translated from the word Cairo, which is a, 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 a linguistic derivation from grace. It spoke about indicating something that was a step forward. It's very similar to Kairos. And um, it really is a, a, a godly perspective of something that God has done on the pathway of grace. And in fairness, it's largely, just as Kairos is, a, a temporal thing. Now, God can do amazing things during Kairos moments. He can make amazing steps forward in grace. But having been in the ministry and been a Christian for many years, I can tell you that God can do an incredible thing yesterday. And by tomorrow, most Christians have already lost the glimmer of it. It's like the disciples when Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes and not many hours later they were lamenting as they were in the boat that they didn't bring food 
and Jesus called him on it. Now that was not the Lord justifying lack of planning. Um, it always amazes me how to, even in travel, and I know we can all forget things, but so many people don't think ahead. Some people overpack and some people just don't think before they pack. And regularly, there's somebody that is saying, oh, hey, does anybody have this? And I think, yeah, I have this. And as the leader, I packed a little bit more just for somebody like you. But if I give you what I have, then three days later, if I need it, I don't have it. So Jesus was not advocating, even though there's a passage, don't take, don't take an extra coat, don't take shoes, you know, don't take coin. That's He was not advocating a lack of preparedness because you cannot, in our day, go overseas for two weeks of ministry and not have planned a little bit. I'm off topic here. But here, this word for rejoicing is meaningful, it's important, it's necessary. It's focused on steps of grace and they need to be offered before the Lord, but it it's not something that, it, it's kind of like um, communi communing with the Lord. You know, you need him every day you can't say, oh, I had a big breakthrough with God a month ago. Well, when was the last time you prayed? Oh, about a month ago. You, you have to keep growing in grace. It's a walk of faith. So that's the word that the disciples were using. Um, you know, they rejoiced. Uh, um, and Jesus said you should rejoice they they return with joy and um you should you should um um well, let's just read it they returned with joy there it is and jesus said notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven what's he saying there He's saying that, you know, don't get too overblown on spiritual warfare. It's necessary. Um, you, you're, the heart of your steps of grace and rejoicing is because you're partnering with God. Your names are written in heaven. And this should be an ongoing work of grace in partnership with God. I didn't explain that very well. Forgive me. But the point, though, is that the word that Jesus used in verse 21 is really what our topic of discussion is for today. This is our old friend, Agaleo. And um, Jesus rejoiced where? In spirit. Now, we know by now that every person has a deposit of the Spirit of God within them. And 
in our lives, this is what becomes born again. It is the touch point of life within us. For those of you who are Pentecostal, when we pray in tongues, the Bible says our, our spirit prays. It's not reliant upon, you know, the Holy Spirit descending from heaven and everybody's hair standing on end and suddenly you feel something, you're stirred and you begin speaking in tongues. There's still a lot of people, that's the only time they would speak in tongues and subsequently they don't. Um, we've talked to our Brazilian brothers and sisters about this. It's often taught in their churches that the only time you speak in in um, spiritual languages is when the Spirit comes on you from heaven. Well, the Bible says that our spirit prays. And here, Jesus rejoices in spirit because the spirit within is more than what just gives us life. The spirit within indicates what God intends to do through us if we'll allow him while we're on earth. It's almost like an index of what God wants to do through you. And when you pray in tongues, the Bible says your spirit prays. It says that you talk to the Father. It says that you should interpret. It says that you speak mysteries. It's you build up architecturally your most holy, saintly faith and and many others. It, it is the root of our passion for God. Uh, and we've talked about the, the aspect of friend. And if you're not doing it, you're foolish, according to the scripture. And you probably will not understand the deeper things of the spirit if you're not exercising the spirit of God within so Jesus rejoices in spirit, but he does not rejoice in spirit in Cairo. He, he rejoices in Agaleo. Now, we've taught on this as well. Uh, many people have. If I footnoted everybody who mentioned this, wrote about this, we'd be here till prayer time tonight. So if you've taught on this and I'm not messaging you, don't get mad at me. Um, we've talked about how this, the, the, the conventional interpretation is to jump in the air and spin around. I did this, tried to do this once physically when I was up behind the pulpit on Sunday. And I'm, I, I made it to about 15 sixteenths of the circle. I was grateful. The big miracle was that I didn't fall over, which would have been a catastrophe. That could have been on uh, Funniest Home Videos. Not everybody, especially when you get older, is able to do that. So it can't just mean to jump in the air and spin. If you look at what the etymology of this word is, you bring it down to an understanding that it means to, to gush, like water gushing forth from a rock or over of the precipice of a waterfall or springing up as a geyser. And yes, it does indicate perhaps the circular motion of, um, of the seven spirits, the ways of God, 
But the main thing is some kind of a of a triumphant, powerful burst of water, of wind, something from a source that is now spouting. That's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Now, what would that mean? You know, you, you have instances where that is used. The only two times where in the, in the New Testament where it says uh, the spirit within rejoices in this way, we're here. And in what is known as the Magnificat, in Luke, again, one forty seven, when Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. Um, here, it's the same words. Uh, for, for her, it was the triumph of the miraculous conception and the baby within her. Christ within and here Jesus speaking about the fulfillment of well one of the signs of the fulfillment of what he had been sent by the father to do so there there where there was the idea in both of these the only time this phrase my spirit rejoices using these words was Mary and Jesus Jesus in this particular occasion. Now that's significant. Uh, other times when this word, agaleo, is used is Matthew 5.12 at the end of the Beatitudes where it talks about after all those blessed ars. Um, it speaks about being reviled and persecuted for righteousness sake. Um, being being uh, suffering that wrongly, but yet for the cause of the kingdom, it's Jesus said, "Rejoice greatly, for your reward in heaven is great." Uses this word. That would be a culmination of those seven. That would be the sonship aspect, where you've done everything. All the other blessed art thou. Uh, but now you have survived the reviling and the false accusations. And um, you should, at this point, know that you fulfilled something regarding the ways of God. And you should rejoice greatly because your reward, what you've sown into heaven, is phenomenal. And it's not that we're building up an eternal retirement plan or an investment portfolio. It's that we're fulfilling what God brought us here to do as sons in conjunction with his timing and his overall purpose. The, what we're sowing is into the thesaurus in heaven. And um, so here again, that's how a galeo is used. Um, and you can look at other instances of that. There aren't a whole lot of them. But they all are very significant and they indicate some measure of fulfillment of a, a mighty partnership with God. But basically a, a fulfillment of a significant thing <clears throat> that you have been responsible 
to partner with God to achieve through your obedience, through your walking with him, through your faithfulness, through your endurance, and so forth. And then there's something that is not only fulfilled, but but something that is released, something that not necessarily you, I know you could prophetically do this, but again, to jump and spin around is, is, is not the easiest task, which is why I, I reiterate, I'm so thankful that God looks for people to shecha or proskuneo, and that is laying on your face. That's an easier one to do. For some of you, it's harder to get up now than it used to, but it's, it's much easier than jumping in the air and spinning. I'm not, I'm not um, downplaying that prophetic um, action. If you want to do that prophetically, God tells you to, just make sure nobody else is standing around. And, you know, if you do it and you, and you don't do it well, don't blame me. I, I, am, I have a, uh, a measure of indemnity regarding this. <laughs> so, but, but it does mean that somehow you've broken through into some measure of supply and now there's function. Maybe, maybe it could be an indication of uh, a catharsis where something that has been held back is now broken free and proper flow is happening. Like when they, uh, they open the floodgates of uh, uh, mighty dams that have been built around the world. Boom, suddenly it begins to flow. Um, I think that may be spiritually what this, what this indicates. And so that should be lasting. You open and no man shuts. You shut and no man open. It's a culmination of something that the Father gives to the sons. Yes, the steps of, the steps of grace in Kairos moments. That brings delight to all of us. And we should rejoice in that. We should rejoice evermore, according to 1 Thessalonians 5. But Jesus particularly says when he sends the 70, the eyes, the elders, the ones that are, are, are given a heightened measure of authority and responsibility, he sends them out, they return. And we know in other references it talks about how the sick were healed and good things happened. But here they're talking about the overcoming of demonic forces. That's what they reference right here, I think. Anybody, even even old Uncle Rufus, can see that. But Jesus says, don't focus too much on instantaneous things now. You know, you're rejoicing in grace over these things, great. But Jesus rejoiced in spirit because of things that had been revealed to, the, to them through the Father that they were functioning as sons as Jesus had revealed the Father to them. They were, they were bringing uh, into fruition things that prophets and kings 
have spoken and desired to see or hear, and their eyes, speaking to the 70, are blessed to see and to implement and to welcome the fruit of it. That's where Jesus' spirit, a galeo, something had broken forth. Something had been unlocked according to prophetic uh, foretelling and foreseeing, according to the Father uh, being made known to these individuals through the Son so that they can become sons, according to their names and their authority being written and mandated in heaven, and in the face of demonic opposition. Now, why was this also significant for Jesus? Because perhaps the main reason he came in redeeming mankind, those who would believe in him and accept his salvation, redeeming mankind to the Father because mankind had sold themselves through disobedience and rebellion to the curse of Satan. And now here, the, the only begotten Son is seeing the 70 demonstrating authority over the authority of the enemy. So now these ones, even in their infancy steps, are demonstrating victory over the very enemy who had deceived them and the very enemy that had tried to stop their partnership with the Father. So this is before the cross, but Jesus is rejoicing. There's been a breakthrough of the ways of God, and he rejoiced in his spirit. And he looks up and says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that this idea of these babes, these people who are not the wise and prudent of the earth, you've revealed these things to them. So what were the breakthroughs here? Again, we've talked about them, but just, just to make sure I understand them. What were the breakthroughs? Prophets and kings desired to see this. In fact, there was a usage of this term that said, when Jesus was talking and said that Abram um, desired to see his day, and there was a rejoicing. And there are big arguments, even now, about what, what did Jesus mean by that? What in this is this? Well, Abram, the father of all who walk in faith, spent a lot of time with God. And I, I don't know whether God revealed to him the, uh, the prospect of a Messiah coming 
and how God was going to do it. I mean, Jesus said in another passage, and you can look at, what passage is that, Pastor? Click on this word and find it. That's what we're trying to train you to do. Um, this, this was not saying seeing Jesus, but seeing his time, his day. Um, some people say, well, that was uh, uh, Jehovah Jireh when Isaac was freed. God has provided. Um, some say um, that this was indicative of Abram, uh, the friend of God, in some way, God sharing what God was going to have to do eventually to redeem mankind. And for those who say, well, Abram was seeing it right then. No, he was in paradise. So get your time frames right. Jesus had not taken captivity captive and taken them all up into heaven. Now, what they could see from down there, I don't know. What, what, what they could see from paradise into the world at that point, I don't know. Um, and we want to stay away from speculation there. But... Um, the point, though, is that here in this time, um, the people who were prophets and those who had authority, maybe David, maybe Solomon, uh, maybe even Hezekiah, of all people, um, they had seen this day. And the Father revealing his truths that were crypto uh, from the foundation of the world, he's revealing them. And the the establishment of the 70, uh, the establishment of sending them out as the eyes, uh, representing the tobe of God, turning the desert place into wells where people could drink, uh, uh, the, the demonic not having power over the people anymore. And this that's very interesting, too. Because, um, not to go off on a, on a trail here, but this was before the cross. This was before the cross. And the authority that Christ was given in conjunction with people partnering with Christ the Father in mysteries and assignments. Um, even how Jesus demonstrated authority over the demonic. Yes, well, he was God. Well, he was fully man, fully God, but Jesus did not cut corners. Um, he, he functioned in every way that a son should function. And here were these 70 going out. And they had authority over demons. So, it would seem to me that the, the aspect of functioning on behalf of what the Word has foretold, what prophets under the direction of God have foretold, in partnership with the Father, um, according to what God has established in heaven, uh, and being where God wants you, when he wants you, doing what he wants from you, 
are really amazing points of authority in taking strongholds and in the power of the kingdom. But these things are unlocked and are now gushing forth. And that was part of the parameter of what Christ was sent to do. So within that indication of spirit within Jesus, which, if we read the Bible carefully, at the cross, when he died and said it is finished, he surrendered that spirit back to God. Read it for yourself. And in that, Jesus patterned what all of us must live. So, it does not say that the Spirit of God came like a dove and suddenly Jesus rejoiced. It does not say that the cloud filled the place where they were and they all fell on their faces. And in the midst of that Spirit, Jesus rejoiced. He rejoiced in spirit within himself. And that rejoicing was the fulfillment of something that was a mandate from the Father. These 70, I in, were moving as sons. Now, I'm looking at it. I don't see 70. Remember, this is Greek, but it's going off of a Hebrew principle that we have studied a lot. And that's what it means. You, they went and suddenly they turned bitter places or restrictive places into a well. The eyes, the, the eyes of God were functioning and, and leading them, and they were representing those seven spirits. So, Jesus rejoices. Now, but he rejoiced in that hour. This is the word we talked about right at the beginning. That season. Not that kairos. Not that chronos. But that season. This was when the Father ordained for it to be. This was what Jesus was supposed to have been achieving in that season. So when that season was being initiated and there was an unlocking and a gushing forth, and Jesus' spirit given to him by the Father, fully man, fully God on earth, all of those things are indicated in, in that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, we should rejoice, Cairo. We should be thankful in the walk of grace. But our, but our ultimate objective should be fulfilling what the Father has placed within us to partner with him in while we're in this earthly temple, in this skin, um, in this tabernacle where the Spirit dwells within us. Um, we, we should be fulfilling the seasons that God is leading us through. And I, I know I have to keep pointing this out, but it, it takes prayer and waiting on God and functioning in spirit 
before God to glean this, the, the aura. You know, remember, in, in Acts, we talked about this on Sunday. Uh, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, uh, you know, the Father has reserved the, the Kronos and the Kairos for him. But we, as we're partnering with the Father in those things, should be sensing the season. And once we sense the season, we should invest wholeheartedly. Jesus talked on one occasion at least about, you know, I don't know what to think of you people. In the natural, you can look at the sky in the evening and forecast what's coming the next day, but the signs of God, you you don't, you're oblivious to them. So we should be understanding the seasons. To everything there's a season and a time for every purpose unto heaven. That's in the Old Testament, but those three factors. And um, we, we, should, we should recognize these things. And when we recognize them, we should work for the night comes. I was thinking also in, you know, in this hour. I was remembering when the temptation in the wilderness occurred and our Lord was brought by the enemy to an exceeding high mountain. Where this place was in the spirit realm, I don't know. I think some of us have seen this in intercession. Uh, I think that it's fair to say that the enemy was originally created to serve God on this planet. I think it's safe to say, biblically, that the thing that Satan allowed to provoke him to iniquity was God's intent for you and for me. And that provoked pride and jealousy and hence the rebellion. God didn't make it happen, but that's what Satan allowed himself to rebel because of. And, and I think, you know, the Bible, I know the Bible says that the angels were created to serve God as his messengers, but to serve the heirs of salvation. So far, so good, right? So it could be that the enemy uh, had a, a position that would afford him an outpost to see all the nations of the earth and the glory within them. An exceeding high mountain. Exceeding means uh, a word that is uh, surpassing or having a supervisory oversight you can look at that one for yourself too. Which leads me to believe that maybe this was like a control center for how God wanted to partner with people throughout the earth because that's what the glory is. Remember we studied that in the Old Testament. The glory of God was for God to release something that was according to his eternal plan 
something that had not done but been done before and uh, something that he wanted to do now and that glory was offered to those who would partner with him as covenant uh, servants and sons in that glory so it had to do with what god wanted to do with mankind and the enemy is there in an exceeding high mountain a place of perspective a place that that word boundaries horizons that word indicating by its very etymology um, a dictated assignment place for God to come and partner with people. So here is Jesus, back to Luke 10, verse 21. In his spirit, he recognizes that the 70 were functioning there. That all these factors that we indicated twice now in this broadcast were, were bursting forth. And he, he recognizes that it was the ordained season for that to be done. And he gives thanks all those things being said to the Father because his plan of revealing these to people who weren't know-it-alls, people who were willing to become as little children to enter into the kingdom, uh, people who were willing to, to receive the deeper things of God even though the wise and prudent of the earth and even of the religious world are dummies willful dummies unwilling agnoeo to look into it can't wrap their hands around it this is just a phenomenal thing for me uh, and it should be for you so the father is um, has sent Jesus to do this now, ultimately, Christ would do a, a absolute complete work of redeeming us to the Father, to make us joint, the, the potential of being joint heirs through the sacrifice of Christ, that our sins, which were many, are washed away by accepting him and through that blood, um, if the principalities and powers of this world had known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. What the cross represents for each of us individually and for the places God would send us, the stake of ownership in the histeme. Um, but here, here, the concepts are being patterned by Jesus and are being taught by Jesus and are being empowered by Jesus. And that was open. It's just wonderful. Where are we right now? Well, maybe some of you are seeing that over the past couple of years, particularly, each one of these factors, God has exponentially 
than opening understanding. Just recently, the focus on the hour, the seasons, the um, the boundaries, the mountains. We've talked a lot about them, haven't we? We talked about the spirit within. We did I don't know how many hours of teaching on that in ways that we had never taught on before. And the the idea of the eyes of God. Yes, we've taught about them for many years. Yes, Baca, yes, we've talked about them. But God has even, I remember when it dawned on me through the Spirit that Ayin was in the culture of the Old Testament, the 70. That was a, that was a stunner. But there it is. We talked about so many of, of these factors. God has been highlighting them and taking us into deeper measures of understanding. And so here we are. Here we are. What season are we in? Well, we're in a season that God has been focusing on every each one of these specific terms and concepts. And we are sending people out in a way beyond what we've known. The whole concept of Rama and uh, what we talked about at our last seminar, the, the ministry of Samuel teaching these, these people these deeper things so that they can represent God wherever they are. Jesus sent the 70 ahead. We're sending disciple teams uh, by the directive of God, we're, we're not mobilizing us. We, we're not sitting in our boardroom, okay, let's look at the map, Let, now let's have prayer, and we're going to send teams out here and here and here because we love the world for, for Jesus. That's great. Go and do that. But you know as well as I do, the way God has moved through us as saints is he has opened doors. It's, it's remnant. It's the shame of being separated is hated even we 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 recognize the remnant that how wacky it seems for us to embrace the things that god has shown us in the word you know it it's true for your shame you'll have double remember that two weeks ago and we looked at all those passages especially with God opening the womb and bringing forth miraculous children who will do exploits for the kingdom. Have, you, have, we, have we, I'm saying me, I, we all need to remind ourselves, how has God taught us? So here, here we have continents, particularly, I say continents because if you focus just on South America, then people in the other continents where people are already established might feel that, oh, you've left us now. No, we're not. It's kind of like having a lot of kids. You know, which one is your favorite? Which one do you love more than anybody else? Oh, it's always the baby that gets the attention. Now, I'm the, the baby of five, so I, boy, have I heard that in my life. Um, God loves everybody. And 
it's the firstborn that usually gets the notoriety. But for us, we've got to go where the season of the Lord is opening. We're not abandoning the other places. But right now we see phenomenal doors being opened all over South America. And it's not because of our slick ad campaigns. It's God's spirit. The Father has ordained this. The Father has written our names uh, on the bottom of the contract in the thesaurus. We, we, we're grateful for that. And so this season is such that we've got to open ourselves in ways that rely upon the miraculous obediently. And we will see great points of overcoming. And we've we got to be careful, especially in the spirit realm, because especially in some of these nations in the southern hemisphere, there is open worship of the demonic. I mean, it's same here, you know. A lot of the things that are trumpeted on Capitol Hill and other places in our in our government, um, we wouldn't say that that's demonic worship, but you dress it all up and make it look prettier, but it's still demonic, a lot of it. Where we're being sent is openly demonic in so many ways. And we got to be very careful not to overly focus our rejoicing on the enemy being subject. But we rejoice with Jesus at what our mission is. See, our mission is exactly what it has always been. To make disciples, sons, not just teaching people the basics of the gospel. That's important. I'm not diminishing that. But making disciples is more about, are you doing the works of Jesus? Are you before the Father as sons? Are you progressing from babes to children to heirs to joint heirs? Or you just think because you memorized a few verses that you're all that. Be really careful. You know, you're faithful in the small things. You're made ruler over many. That's the rule in the natural. It's also the rule in the spirit. So we're supposed to be going and establishing outposts through the power of the cross where God opened, where God opens the doors. You know, there have been many places we've been invited to that we've not felt God say go there. There are some places God said go there that I didn't want to go. I just, I'm a man. I, I just don't really, I, I don't really enjoy going into certain parts of the world. But yet we went anyway. Um, but the point is, that our job is to go and teach people how <clears throat> to seek the Father, to teach people the deeper things of the Scripture, the pneumatikos things of the Spirit, of the Spirit, to to teach people 
what it means to know the Father and to seek after him, to teach people how to establish the, the true meaning of the cross in places where God has called them to serve. That's our mission, and we got to do it with all that's within us, for there's coming a time when we, when no man can work. We got a foretaste of that with the COVID shutdowns, didn't we? We got a foretaste of that when we saw that the government could go in and restrict on social media things that were not to the government's liking. Oh, they never did that. Have you paid any attention to anything other than CNN and leftist rags or MSNBC? The government proved that certain areas of the Justice Department were restricting unpleasant speech. So you, you don't think that when the enemy gains more power in governments that he's not going to try to stop messages like this? We've got to work while the night comes. We've got to establish for the night is coming. We've got to establish by the directive of the Father all that we have, sowing it into these indigenous communities so that as darkness comes and the light will shine through us that we've equipped the, the through us places in the various outposts of the world because they're going to have to be meeting with the Father, knowing his voice, functioning in the cross and in his word, letting the light shine through them. And if they don't know how to do it, then how are they going to do it? Give them a fish, they'll be back tomorrow. Teach them to fish, they'll never go hungry. We have that responsibility as saints. So, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Every one of these are things that the Father has been taking us into deeper understandings in the Word and development of them. And so I think that we're at this point. God is breaking through. What's the breakthrough that we have? A Galileo. The breakthrough is largely what God has given us to demonstrate and to teach and to seeing it break through in people who will function as sons in places that God has ordained. Amen. So, this 10th month, Fast of Feasting Month, I want to remind our congregation and all the other saints that have been invited to pray with us today. And we are having a, a prayer gathering here in Dallas, but you can meet us at the same throne, God's throne in heaven. Don't forget, first Saturday, this coming Saturday, the directive went out already. What a good time to serve the Lord together. Thank you for joining us today. Um, study this a bit more fully and um, 
particularly the agaleo, because, again, we've studied this in the past. It does mean a prophetic act of jumping and spinning in rejoicing, indicating the seven spirits. But the, the root meaning of it is the, the gushing forth, the geyser of the ways of God, the spirits, the water. Uh, just like speak to the rock and out it gushes. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We rejoice in spirit that that is the breakthrough. And what will it bring for the glory of our God? Talked about a lot of things today. I appreciate those of you who are willing to go into the Word and mine the unsearchable riches with the tools God has given you. I'm proud of you. Thankful for each of you. Let's keep digging and let's keep seeking because the Spirit of truth is guiding us into all truth, those things that have been hidden that the Father is now revealing to those who will, will humble themselves, who are willing to see and who are willing to do. God bless you. We'll see you in prayer. And goodbye.